This is episode number 308. Are there stigmas associated with living your story? With Gabe Leal, Casey Berman, Caleb Pearson, and DJ Durante. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lokeed, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming conversation this Tuesday at 10.05 Central Time, hosted live through LinkedIn or Facebook, where we explore the connection between one's person or narrative and the topics of grief, appreciation, gratitude, resilience, and many other topics. If you feel that this is of interest to you, please consider going to our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details regarding our upcoming conversation. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. The whole crew is here. Wow, this is uh, this is quite the lineup. You know, I, I was actually um, I was tearing up in the background, and a I think it was uh, tears of gratitude, and, and the gratitude I think goes out to every single one of you. And the reason why is because I remember actually having conversations with every single one. I remember the conversation Gabe and I had, and and, and towards the end, uh, I, I don't know if you remember this, Gabe, but you sharing the story about your brother, um, DJ and I, same exact thing. And and Casey and Caleb and I have had numerous ones by now. And it's, uh, I, am really grateful. I'm able to have this space with all of you and have a conversation. I think about a topic that I hope many people can relate to. And what I wanted to do is, and maybe the best way that I could even start this off is with a, a story of my own as it revolves to this concept of stigmas. So about eight to 10, maybe 12 years ago, I, I chose to, uh, I chose to become an entrepreneur and well, yes, I made the choice to do it, but I think also entrepreneurship chose me in a way and I chose it. And I, what I realized through that journey was the stigmas or the remarks that I received from people, whether it was people closest to me or people who didn't even know me. A lot of the things that had to do with, oh, you're just, you think you're better than us, or you think you know something that we don't, um, you know, and it's t- it took me many years to get to a point where I was actually able to turn it into a form of income. So that was also another stigma or story that I faced as far as when are you going to go get a real job, um, things like that. And and so I felt that I, it's real. I think it's real for many, many people, and I bet it's real for many of us on this this conversation right now and I wanted to have this conversation as a way to a better understand why people choose to stigmatize to begin with where does it really come from 
And uh, what are some of the things that we face as people that can hopefully create a bridge for other people to make it more relatable and make it more personal to them? So, um, Casey, I know you are the, and I'm not just saying that as you are the former lawyer in the room, <laughs> but you do an exceptional job of defining the term to begin with. So I wanted to kick it off with you as far as what are the stigmas that you face and how do you even understand what a stigma is to begin with? Oh, great to be here. Great to see everyone. DJ Gabe, Caleb, and Oleg also just so nice that that we're back here doing this. So I'm, I'm honored to be on the show and, and love it. So, um, you know, when you think of the word stigma, um, I looked it up and it comes from the Greek, which was to, literally to tattoo. And then in Latin, it became a mark or a brand. So you're talking about this, this, this actual representation, whether it's on a body or somewhere. Um, think of a scarlet letter from, from a few hundred years later and, you know, 1500 years later. Um, you know, so when we think of stigma in popular culture, in, in current culture now, you think of, I'm dating myself, but, you know, you think of Monica Lewinsky, <laughs> Bill Clinton, uh, Lindsay Lohan, what her stigma was. She was an alcoholic. She was irresponsible. Monica Lewinsky, whatever you want to call her. You think of, um, you know, someone like there was a receiver for the in football for the Atlanta Hawks who just bet on or was accused of, of betting on on football while he was out injured. I mean, what's his stigma now? Right. Is he a is he a cheater? Is he what, what's this mark that that we're going to give him? And, and stigma is a negative. Um, it's a negative mark. It, it's, it's devalued, right? It's not an honor. It's not an award. <clears throat> it has a, has a negative connotation um, as we live in this world of, of good and evil. So with all that in mind, um, are there stigmas associated with living your story? Yes. But the way I look at it now in my life at 48 years old, that's also, you could ask, you know, are there, are there days where the weather isn't how you want it when you live your story here on this planet Earth? Um, and the reason I say that is not to be flippant. I think it's a, a deep question. But what I would challenge us to do is to understand where the stigma is coming from. Hmm. And so you might, in, in you might have made Oleg, you might have made your you might have made your life more difficult when you branched out as an entrepreneur because ironically, and don't get mad at me for saying this, you mm. might have generated that stigma. This mm -hmm. is difficult. This is something I shouldn't have done. Projected it onto people, and then said, "See, the world is bad. They don't like entrepreneurs. This is going to be a pain in the butt." And maybe you did that because you needed a foil. Because you needed it to be difficult, because if there's no pain, there's no gain. Who knows why we do it, right? Um, and so for me, where I go, and, and my story is one, you know, I was a Jewish kid who didn't like blood, so I didn't go to medical school. I went to law school. It's about as critically as I thought about it. Didn't like it. Practiced for five years. Um, you know, my parents are like, what are you doing? When I told them I was leaving the law and doing other things. And so there's been a stigma, and I think a lot of it was, was me was like, ah, I'm breaking away. Um, and that's okay. That's just, that's just my story. So for me, how, how I've sort of overcome stigmas is to realize that, I mean, all four of you may have a, a, an impression. You may be tattooing me right now in a way. I don't even know what it is. And I may never know. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and I'll let you know at the end of the show. Much, and he quoted Greek and he didn't comb his hair this morning. I mean, who knows what you guys might be tattooing me with or others. 
So there could mm -hmm. be stigmas from everybody. Um, and so for me, how I kind of get over is I realize that if I'm feeling bad about a stigma, that's likely because I'm feeling it, projecting it onto Oleg and Gabe and everybody and saying, see, the world is tough and, 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 and taking it back. And what that really does is that's where the anxiety and the trouble in this world comes from, is that we all think there's a boundary between us all, um, whether it's our epidermis or whether it's whatever. And um, so I'll pause there, but, but there are stigmas, but the way I've kind of moved beyond them is to realize that um, I can control the ones that, that I project on the world. Mm. Gabe. Wow. Um, so like, like you talk about, I mean, you hear those kind of, so just like what Casey shared there, uh, people can absolutely hear stigmas. You know, the first thing that somebody might hear, and this is just that, as an observation, but if, listen, he's, he came from privilege. He was a lawyer or, uh, or his parents wanted him to be a, a doctor, you know, and those are things that aren't always true. Right. Um, my stigma has always been where me being a creative and being an entrepreneur, right. It's like, you need to give up that silly dream. What is, what is, you know, much like Casey was talking about, go get a real job, go do something that's tangible. Right. That is how I've heard always things addressed. Like, why do you keep trying to write a book? Why do you keep trying to do all these other things? Um, you know what? You need to think of just working on a steady job for the next 20 years in a corporate American environment and retire and do, the, you know, just like everybody else. And as for me, always having that spirit of wanting to be an entrepreneur, that, that is that is very hard to fight. It is very hard, you know, because a lot of people see, look, you didn't make it or something doesn't work out right. See, look what I told you, man. See, you need to change. You need to change course. You need to do this. This isn't going to work. And that's the that's a big stigma whenever you talk about doing something like this. I mean, people ask me all the time, how are you going to make money being a live streamer? How are you going to do that? Or how are you going to make money in social media? Really? Do you know how often social media changes week by week, day by day sometimes? How are you going to how are you going to monetize that? Right? Those are things that you hear all the time when you say, "Hey, what do you do?" Well, I work in social media. What is that? Mm -hmm. You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. What are you on Facebook? That's the first thing people say. I'm like, "No, there's more to it." You know? So that's part that's part of it is having to Go through that every single time I have a conversation with somebody who doesn't, who's not in the know. Like somebody that I talk to just off the bat that doesn't have no inclination of what we do here as, um, as creators on this platform or any social media platform for, for that fact. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's one that you gotta, that I look at every single day and try to battle. And like you said, somebody, you know, sometimes it is even people in your, in your family and in your inner circle that kind of put this stigma on you because like, you know, they know you better than anybody. And they're like, Hey man, you've done things like this in the past and it never worked. Mm. When are you going to give up that fullest dream, my friend? And you know, that's part, that's part of how my journey goes every single day, but you know what? It's one that I'm willing to fight. Um, been doing it now for the last 20 years and still haven't given up on it. So there you go. That's me you, in a nutshell. How do you process that? How do you process the projections that you receive from those who are closest to you? 
Because I'm assuming they carry more weight. They do. They usually do. Uh, because you know what? It's 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 fighting that inner negative voice sometimes. That what they tell you sometimes compiles with what you're saying in your own mind sometimes. When you fail at something, right? You're like, oh, God, maybe they're right. Right? You mm-hmm. think, oh, man, what am I? What am I doing, right? And then you sit there and you have to get perspective. You have to sit there and see what your exactly what your journey is supposed to be, whether or not that is is whether it is for you or not. But to not let other people's opinions of you become your reality, right? Mm-hmm. You 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 make of what it is of what you do out there in the world. So even when I get those heavy weighted, you know, sort of feelings and thoughts from people. Um, I think about it. I reflect, I journal, I put it somewhere else. And I say, you know what, now I got to kind of set myself back to center and keep moving forward. Mm. Um, so that's how I kind of fight a little bit what I, of what I do, uh, when somebody brings that upon me. So thank you for you sharing go. that. Very, very timely one. I I think I've experienced this, probably continue to experience it from time to time. But both of you have valid points as far as a lot of it has to do with the meaning that I choose to give it as well, as well as the events being what they are. And that's maybe uh, perhaps that's another topic that I'd love all of us to get into as well Is what is that fine line between between the events being what they simply are, and then the meaning that we choose to project onto them. DJ. Yes, Oleg. Okay, I have a few things to say and share and provide. I want to go back to Casey's comment about stigmas. I can, and Gabe, because Gabe really reflected on societies, the imposed stigmas that, you know, the expectations, the assumptions of what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to act, what we're supposed to be, what role we're supposed to fill, and how we, a lot of us, most obviously, probably the five of us here for sure have had to fight that um, in some way that we can all agree here, not to speak to everyone, but Mm -hmm. I think that for me personally, I've dealt with many stigmas and I'm probably choosing now conscientiously to pursue things in my life that will bring on more stigmas and more of that. So referring to being a female, referring to being Latina, Referring to my presence being high energy, very loud, being, you know, hearing things like you need to calm down, you need to sit down, you need to be quiet, you're too much. So having all that kind of put on me as if I was to fall in line, fall in line. Um, I think something that wasn't really mentioned clearly, but I would think is the cultural uh, stigmas that we share and me and Gabe I think have a similar cultural background with the expectations that come from being Latino or Hispanic culture and those expectations of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to be uh, those <laughs> whether it's you know you're supposed to do this as this role in the family or that when you you know just the again falling in line if we don't then we're suddenly kind of outcasted and the pain begins, right? And I think this goes a lot to even when it talks about other 
related topics or stigmas, whether it's LGBT and then the intersections between that. Um, so it can get real deep, right? It can get, mm -hmm. and the layers can grow and then the pain and then the trauma starts to build. And then all those things we hear from early on until adulthood into we become these independent and we've got these voices that have accumulated these phrases, these sayings, these things we've been told we are for so long or what we should be doing. And then does that align? It gives us that conflict. But I'm going to move a little bit away from that. And I want to say that for my show that has been, I talk about stigmas. I want to break through on some of the stigmas. For me, it's really about disability, mental health. I don't talk about other things, but that's more where I prefer that intersection to be because I've heard so many stories of people having to fight barriers and stigmas and discrimination they've had to overcome just to have their basic needs, their basic, um, you know, their quality of life, just to have a, a somewhat of a decent quality of life if, if um, right? But others have to kind of give into that. And we know that stigmas are just that. They they come and they take a hold of us and then we think that's the norm. And I think it kind of becomes very subconscious to many of us. And for me, it's really talking about that and saying, well, wait a minute, is this a stigma? Is this something that we've kind of just has been, what is that, taped into our minds? I know there's mm -hmm. a term, imprinted into our minds. and. Mm -hmm. And so then we perpetuate the stigma. And so I really try to have those conversations to break through those. And for me, it's been personal. It's been my, not my own story, but sharing the stories of those that have been shared with me and now doing more publicly. So, and I wanted to say, Gabe, you've tattooed me, my friend. Thank you for <laughs> encouraging me to live stream and pursuing me, like encouraging me to pursue that. And really it's people like you that, really help break all those stigmas, right? Like us encouraging and supporting each other and saying that those stigmas are just that and that we shouldn't fall to yeah. them. So that's it. That's my piece. You know, DJ, you, you mentioned, you said the word fall in line. You know, if we look at the words that we use and words are, are a translation layer. And when you think about it, the world works in vibration and words are just notings because the word water isn't water water is this liquid of h2o but we use the word water to w-a-t-e-r and so the words fall in line <clears throat> you know what does that really represent and it represents what jumped out to me was this linear thinking and you know stigma is a byproduct or maybe it's a cause i don't know we'd have to unpack it but i think it's kind of a byproduct of this linear thinking that that this consciousness that we're in in this world of of go to first grade, second grade, eighth grade, high school, college, graduate degree. I mean, on we, we need to buy a house, have 2.8 kids, all of that, right? And so when you when you follow that linear thinking, if you are in linear thinking, you can you can still be stigmatized. But I think the stigma arises when someone says the emperor has no clothes. And when mm -hmm. someone says, you know, I'm going to think about this differently. And And what's crazy is the people who win this game are the ones who have non-linear thinking albert einstein elon musk all of those folks who think differently and we celebrate them once they've made it which mm -hmm. usually is money but mm -hmm. once they've made it because 
you know, linear thinking is success money. Usually we all go this way. Now, if someone goes this way, but they still end up in the same spot. All right. They went a different way on the board game. They, they got, got out of jail, but they made it right. So we'll, we'll still celebrate them. Um, but I think that that is a result of just coming to me where you said in line. And that is the problem. I mean, Gabe is not doing something that is, is falling in line. It's not linear. It's holographic. And that's really how the world works. That's what the theory of relativity is all about. But we can't explain it. Mm. And since we can't explain it, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you get comfortable with the unexplainable, stigmas then are there, but that's really more of a reflection of the people looking at you not falling in line. That's why I, that's why I always equate it to oxygen. We use it. We, do, we live it. We breathe it. We know that it's there or else we don't exist, but it's not tangible. You can't hold it. You can't grab it. You can't squeeze it. You can't, you know, so that's why I say, you know, just because something is there, you can't see or understand doesn't mean that it does not exist. And it's a great point. It doesn't, it also doesn't mean that it's complex. Oxygen's easy. The complexity (laughs) is in Mm. us trying to explain it. It's our small Mm. brain. Right? Exactly. Oxygen is really easy. Really is. Photosynthesis is a simple <laughs> concept. Right? You try to explain it and then try to wait a minute. The plants with this invisible thing and the seed <laughs> and the dirt and it takes cow manure and then and then it creates, you know, like my little brain can't get my arms around it. But it's easy. It's the complexity is with us. So another thing, the complexity is not with what Gabe's doing. The complexity is with other people trying to get their arms around it. Mm. Caleb? So I, um, you have to excuse me if my internet goes out or whatever. I don't know. It's been really weird. Um, but I, you know, I like to write. So I've been like, there's a ride in a way. <laughs> I'm plagiarizing everybody. No. Um, <laughs> no, I, I love this conversation and I love this particularly because of this word stigma. And Casey, you started it off very well, but given that, definition and to me i tie stigma a lot into stereotypes and stereotypical behavior especially when it comes to society and societal norms and trying to fit in find your place um dj you brought up a really good point that i wanted to talk about and that's mental health not so much the stigma of my own i guess experience with mental health but what a stigma has kept me from uh, you talked about culture and stigmas in culture. Uh, in the military, I, I'm a litany of stigmas, right? Like I'm black, <laughs> I'm LGBT, I'm <laughs> I'm all kinds of things. You know what I'm saying? So whatever you want to label me, stamp it on me. It's what I am. But you want to really know me, you're gonna you'll, you'll take the chance to really get to know me. But um, in the military and in my job, right? You hold a certain level of security clearance. Um, you you. I've I worked in a position called um, <clears throat> Personal Reliability Program, which you're pretty much in a glass house. Uh, it, it takes a lot to get to that position um, and to hold that that kind of position. So um, mental health has this negative stigma, right? You do not want to go to mental health. Not because you don't need it, <laughs> but because of what everybody's going to think of you because of the reason why you're going to mental health. Oh, you're going to mental health because he's crazy. He's not unreliable. 
we can't rely on him to put warheads on foreheads and go and do his job. Um, I have been in the Air Force now for almost 17 years. I did not go and seek professional mental health until I was 15 years in. And I came to a breaking point where all at one time, it was right when COVID was kicking off. Um, I'm a teacher. I had lost on the second day of my first class by myself, independently teaching. Um, that second day, I lost a student. That student died. Um, that same week, I lost my aunt and I had a birthday. Uh, and then also I got sick and then COVID kicked off March 13th or 16th, like something like that. So it was a lot that I had to process and deal with. I was trying to deal with it all on my own. And uh, I wanted to point out that certain cultural, social stigmas keep us from um, self-improvement, from seeking mental health. Um, it took a group of supporters, my leadership, my friends, my family, my loved ones to say, hey, Caleb, you're usually super energetic. We don't see that anymore. You, we know that you're going through a lot of stuff. Have you considered mental health? I didn't want to go to mental health. I didn't want to go to mental health because one, I didn't want to be labeled as that guy who went to mental health and has a mental problem, right? And then also, um, I didn't want it to mess with my security clearance. I didn't want it to affect um, my ability to do my job or my perceived ability to do my job, uh, which I think is unfortunate. Because there's, a, there's so many people who I feel uh, do not seek those things that could improve them or could help them, whether it's something financial. How many people hide their financial instability because of the stigma of you not being financially responsible? You don't want to tell somebody else. I finally, this year, finally got myself a financial advisor. Um, I don't want people to look into my bank account, see how I've been spending, see that I've been financially irresponsible in certain areas and things like that. Um, but there are certain stigmas on certain areas of help in culture, in society um, that keep us from improving ourselves, keep us from healing ourselves. I know we talk about we've been talking about stigma a lot on ourselves and those stains or whatever that people have stamped on us based off of what we've experienced in life. For instance, you know, uh, right before I joined the Air Force, I went to jail, right? Um, they could have stamped me and labeled me uh, as, you know, this this person. Here's another young Black American male that has gone to prison, has joined the statistics or whatever, not prison, jail. Um, his life is just going to snowball into that direction. Um, was not the case for me. But to what Casey was saying and, uh, and what Gabe was saying, these stereotypes, these stigmas, these intangible things dictate and influence us so much in making the decisions that we need to either make to improve ourselves or to kind of stay away from some things. And, you know, Oleg, we say it and talk about it all the time, mm -hmm. is that being comfortable with the uncomfortable. How, do I, how did I overcome my that negative stigma of going to mental health? I went and seeked it out. I went to mental health. I got comfortable with being uncomfortable and actually realizing that there was nothing to be afraid of. It didn't affect my career. In fact, 
I also help people who were on the line just like me go ahead and seek the mental health. I advocate for it for, uh, for it now. And so does the Air Force. Mm. But there is this cultural aspect, this cultural idea of um, seeking help that shines a light of weakness on you and therefore deteriorates your ability to fight war, be a dependable airman or soldier or sailor, guardian, that puts this whole um, negative stamp on you that uh, you're not reliable, you're not somebody that can be held accountable or be counted on. I, I want to jump in here, Caleb. Your your story is so inspiring and it's so interesting. What came to me was, I, I go back to my history lesson, but you know, Rene Descartes, for the uh, the French philosopher in the 1600s, said, "I think, therefore, I am." Cogito ergo sum, right? And literally, Western, white, Europe, America, um, and then now to the rest of the world, our philosophy has been based on this. I think, therefore, I am. So. Mm-hmm. Caleb, if you're not thinking right, parentheses, you have a mental health issue, you you aren't, you're you're not being yourself. You you aren't am. Mm. You, you aren't. And and you know, you think about this, like so so two years ago, on a Tuesday, you're having your aunt passes away, COVID, you the student, like when we go out, because usually most problems come from a lack of context. When you come out and look at it, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be too dramatic here, but like your issues and the blockers you had literally have 400 years worth of culture, like you mentioned, ingrained in it coming from this dude in France. And, and hey, he was right in many ways. There's a lot to it. But one thing that Descartes missed and where I think he's wrong is how about I feel, therefore I am. The mm. world vibrations. So I just wanted to jump in that like each of our sort of minuscule personal issues really aren't. We all kind of come from this source for better or for worse. And a lot of it came from the fact that in our culture, we prize the intellect. We prize the brain. We say the mind is up here. It's not. That's the brain, right? And the brain is literally just an organ trying to make sense of this world with all of this this stimuli coming in. But your issue really is because as a culture of consciousness, we made a choice that thinking is better than feeling. Why and do you think identity is based on thinking? That's why we go to academia. That's why shop and, and, and woodcrafting is deprioritized compared to books. That's why we go to books and sit behind the class. I homeschool my kids. They were like, I don't want to be behind a desk anymore. So I just want to say that, you know, your issue and a lot of the issues we deal with is literally just ingrained in the fact of hundreds, if not thousands of years of us saying things are a certain way and that's just how it is. And you had the courage to just, and you had support from others, thankfully, to just think non-linearly and break out from that. Why do you think we prized intellect? So I brought up, I'll, I'll, I think what happened is, so if you go back, that if the agricultural revolution is 12,000 years ago, Neanderthals and our cousins, the other homo species are, you know, 70 to like 300,000 years ago. When there was an identity of I'm a body and Gabe is a body and we are Neanderthals, even monkeys have this, but we are Neanderthals or we're the different type of homo species before homo sapiens really evolved. Um, We're different. 
We're different. We have names now. Gabe's a better hunter. I we we want it. We want to, We want mates. We want that. All of a sudden, we're not a collective. We're different, and we can see that mm. even in in monkeys, even in the Homo sapiens from who were very smart, but they're not at our level yet, right? That then created a consciousness of literally focused spotlight, if you will, like focus as opposed to peripheral. We get rid of the peripheral vision. We focus on what's noteworthy. And what's noteworthy is Gabe's better than I am. And he's going to get the food and he's going to get, he's going to get the mates mm. and I'm screwed. <laughs> and I better do what I can because if Gabe wins, I lose. Well, I, mm. I see it. I see it. Yeah. Very similar. Right. People, Gabe, are you a better hunter? Am I, better hunter? <laughs> I don't. In some aspects. Yes, <laughs> I am. Um, no, but I like to see it. Like we see wealth. So when we see people that are successful, that's what we sometimes equate intelligence with. Mm. We go, oh my God, look how smart they are. Mm -hmm. They got to be successful. They have to be, look, look, look at it, all they know, right? Um, and it's okay to have, it, it, so knowledge is important because that's how we've evolved, right? That's how we continually learn. That's how we continually change things. This is how in a hundred years we've gone from, horse and buggies to now riding in all electric cars. We have computers that are now the size of, um, you know, a thin one and a half inch slim thing that used to be tons of computer chips and everything else to build it up. You know, that's how intelligence is seen. Um, and it is, it is part of it. Right. But I don't think it's all of it. Mm. Um, I think like what my friend Bruce Lee, I love when he talked about, it, if you've never seen it, he talks about our minds in water and he says how our minds are very much like water. We're going to take on the shape of the vessel that our minds are in. You put yourself into a small little glass. That's as much as you're going to get. Mm. As, and if you change your mind, you put it in a bigger vessel, you, you, you're going to sh take the shape of what is around you. So I, that's why I say when, whenever somebody talks about being I've read all these books. I've studied all these things. I've studied all of this stuff here. Um, I only look at it as part of the journey, right? To me, it's not all of it. It's like, you know what? That's great that you've made the commitment to learn that. The other part of it is like, how do you now use it to make this, um, everything that we're talking about, stigmas, make everything like that kind of dissolve. I mean, that's for me, that's the whole point is like to I don't like using words like impossible. I don't like using words to things like that, because to me, they're, it's only impossible because we've never imagined it at that point. We, I mean, nobody two years ago, do you think we would ever be in this position of doing what we're doing because of COVID? Of course not. Absolutely. People would think, what are you, crazy? You mean we're going to shut down all an economy? You mean... Thousands and thousands of people. It's happened before. The plague The plague did this years ago. History always teaches things like this, but we don't see it until we. it's in front of us with our own eyes and we process it. That's why I like what you guys talk about mental health. We still have yet to understand our brains. Mm -hmm. The greatest resource that we have in this world, and yet we still don't understand exactly how it works and how many years have we been in existence? Right? So that just tells me there is no limitations in that our minds and everything that we go around this and the stigmas that people place on somebody because they have 
mental health and they have problems processing things, it's like, you know what? They just don't, their minds don't process things the same way we do. We don't all operate the same way. I mean, technically, yes, our brains are all the same. When you, when they pull them out of our minds and our skulls afterwards, when they do autopsies and they look at them, they look the same, but they don't all function the same. Each one is unique. Yeah, we are snowflakes. I don't care what people say. No, you're not a snowflake. We're not. Yes, we are. Because each one is different. Nobody's brain absolutely operates the same. So to hold somebody accountable for something because it doesn't fall in line with like what everybody else thinks is, you know, that's that is, tells me like how limited your your belief is in something or how you operate in life. Um, you know, there's autistic kids who, God, marvel at what we do when I look at them because of how their minds operate differently than everybody else. You know, so I never put those sort of things on, on limitations on something like that. And that's why I think we, again, as a society, people just want to, like I said, intelligence. We want to put labels on stuff. The smarter you are, the more successful you're supposed to be. So, you know, that's all I had to have. Thank you so much for allowing me to say that. I also think going to your point or maybe both of your points is when I was brought up, there was this concept that was uh, presented in front of me probably on a daily basis, and that is knowledge is power. And it was only over time that I realized that knowledge plus action is some form of power. And it took me a long time to discover that because I was this, I, I was caught in the same exact cycle. The, the more I know, the more books I read, the more people I pay attention to and follow and stuff like that, it's going to manifest all these results only to realize that um, it just doesn't work that way. And, and that's that was a huge realization that I had and, and going back to your point, Gabe, is I think, you know, I'm not choosing to blame myself. Uh, a dog is digging a hole on the floor right now. Um, <laughs> ah. but, hey, I'm not going to stigmatize him, but, um, but you know, it's, it's something to be said about all of these systems and stories that have been created and passed down for many, many generations and the constant unlearning that's happening. I mean, Casey, you've taught me this more than anyone. You said that by, there was a certain point you hit where the first half was all about learning and the other half is all about unlearning. That's how I'm viewing life at this point right now. Like, here are all the things that I've learned to this point. And yes, there is an element of truth to it. But now it's, for me at least, it's becoming more of a question mark around all of these areas. You know, college has been one of them. As soon as I graduated from a four-year <laughs> One of the things that I was constantly asked was, when are you going to go to grad school? When are you going to get an MBA? When are you going to do this? And I remember just answering in the simple terms of, I would like to get some real world experience right now. I would like to go out and, and see what I've learned, try to apply it, see what works, see what doesn't, so I can better understand what additional tools and skills do I need. But I've even realized that in those conversations, my opinion, it, it, it wasn't taken well. Because I was going against the grain. I was going against the standard. And a lot of it, I think, is also based on uh, family. And I don't want to generalize and say that's everyone's family. But what I have seen as a pattern uh, within maybe my family and some of the other families that I know is that when you see someone go through um, a progression of middle school to high school to four-year to master's to Ph.D., those things get passed down to the next. 
So the next person has to live up to that. And if they don't, then there's the all these other meanings that get passed on. So it's it's just really it's it's really interesting how it works. DJ? Yeah. I got a few things. I made some notes. Okay. I'll try to be quick. I'm watching the time and I want to be really considerate, but I do want to share my thoughts. I want to go to Caleb because Caleb, you said something that was super impactful was keeping it to myself. That is just such a damaging statement. It's such a huge stigma and it's people lose their lives over that. And it's unfortunate and I'm going to cry. Oh my God. Um, we want to encourage people not to keep it to themselves. We want to encourage people to break through these stigmas and move forward and find Again, something you led up with was supporters, allies, and then leaders. I wanted to go to the word leaders because that was a word that also stuck out to me. And how can we as leaders or advocates in these social leadership positions continue to encourage other leaders that are not so well-versed or comfortable and are very uncomfortable with thoughts of talking about mental health to their employees, to their corporations, to their organizations to save lives because those people go home. Or those people are living where they're working and they're dealing. Things are building. But the statistics show that everything's gone up, right? From domestic violence to substance abuse to suicide to you name it. Uh, the stream, live streaming is really hearing those stories of fear, desperation because of the stigmas. I still hear to this day. And recently I just gave a presentation. Someone came up to me and said, thank you for what you do. It really means a lot. I still can't tell people that I have a visual impairment. If they found out at work that I can't really see and mm. I have to ask for something, it's going to ruin my career. So there is this huge gap between individuals asking for what they need. Um, being, and two things I talk about is one disclosure. And then another one is accommodations. And I know those are kind of difficult to talk about. But again, it goes back to these stigmas that people live and they can't disclose anything. They can't ask for an accommodation to be successful, to, you know, reach that point of for their success. And I, it saddens that the world really does rely on intellect and or wealth as the, 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 what is it? The apex that makes you, you know, at the top of the pyramid. So that's, you know, I've always been on the bottom helping and working with i've been a public servant for so long i've worked in the public se sector which kids in the welfare system without parents coming from homes of trauma i've worked with people with disabilities trying to get back into the workforce after years and years having no idea how they're going to try to make money to survive through with you know ever-changing and they have no control and technology will leave you technology leaves me every day it's like wait what changed dang it so, I mean, even that. Welcome to the I, club. <laughs> right? But, and I want to go back to learning and unlearning, Oleg, on what you said. I'm in the unlearning. I'm unlearning that that thought that I was supposed to fulfill as being public sector, being a caseworker. And how am I going to be a creative? How are you going to be a live streamer? Right now, I'm starting to pivot into that. I'm going to deal with those stigmas. You know, I want to get more tattoos. <laughs> I want to continue to do what makes me happy and allow me to be free, encourage others to continue to aspire for their freedoms, reach for their freedoms, their goals, and not be scared because of that fear, right? But it does go back to action. So 
you know, I, as a leader, I have to take that, set that example. I have to have a show. I have to have these conversations. I don't know everything I talk about every week, but I'm going to learn. And we're going to learn together. We're going to do it. We're going to action, right? We're going to take that action and we're going to learn together, set the examples. And really, I think it's important to, again, lead, lead through that and use that. So I guess that's my, that's what I wanted to go back to. And I just really appreciate those thoughts. Those ones stuck out to me. Mm. Thank you. No, thank you all for sharing this and, and, and being a part of this. I, I think um, there's a lot to be said and I, I'm processing much as in, in regard to everything that's been said. I think this is a, uh, this has been a, this is a really honest, this is a really honest, honest conversation. I think about the things that truly do take place. And, and that's one of the things that I think makes this, this space for me special and unique is because that level of honesty can be achieved with people that may or may not have met each other. In per I mean, let's face it, the five of us, we've never met each other in person. <laughs> I mean, assuming that the ultimate connection is built in person, I don't think it is. I think it's probably a combination of, I think you can achieve the same thing through the virtual world. But the fact that we haven't met each other on in that particular form and still able to have a conversation like this, I, I think it's special. I think there's a lot to be said about that. Caleb? No, again, I'm on. Um, I won't take up too much time either. But um, wow, wow, like this is just really powerful. Oleg, you you mentioned that as as the show was um, coming on, you were getting emotional. I was too. I was feeling something uh, deep inside. And Oleg, you and I have talked several times about the things that I'm going through in my life and the kind of transformation and things that I'm. I am on, but I just wanted to say that for everybody that is listening, um, gosh, man, to fall victim to a stigma, um, I think that is a tragedy, um, especially when it becomes a barrier. When it, when it, when it becomes a barrier for who you are, uh, Casey said, you know, you are who you think you are. Um, when you create these limitations or let limitations be projected onto you and you don't try to um, overcome them, I, I guess you more succumb to them. I think that's, that's such a tragedy. And as you were talking, DJ, um, I kind of got choked up too, because I thought about, um, I thought about my life and where I've got, where I've lived and how I've gotten to the point that I am now. And I've always, I have an identical twin brother. But he is so different than who I am. Um, all of my siblings are very different than me. I was so different that I got tested as a child. My, my mom was like, oh, he's special. You need to get tested. <laughs> I was always the nonlinear thinker. I was always the one that wanted chicken when everybody else wanted hamburgers, right? I was always the one that didn't want to eat fried okra. I hate the stuff, right? I was always the different one because I thought differently. And my father said himself that he didn't mess with me because I was strange, I was different, and he didn't know how to deal with me. So he thought it was best to leave me to my mother. And so through my entire life, um, that's how I felt about a lot of things, going through life and living. But I realized that my past was just meant to be different from everybody else. My past was just meant to be traveled the way I saw I'm going to get to, just like Casey said, I'm going to get to that end. Um, just 
taking a different route. I'm going to get to that end result. I'm just going to take a different route. And the way that I went through it, um, I can share those experiences. So everybody that's listening and watching, uh, don't let life become a barrier to your own route and your own, um, I guess, story, living your story. If you are recognizing some of these barriers, try to confront them. Be bold. Be brave. There was a lot of things that I did in the past, what, five years that were very bold for me. I came out as pansexual. Um, I dyed my hair. I pierced my nose. <laughs> I mean, I went against the grain figuratively, literally, mentally, socially. But that's because I wanted to live my life. I wanted to be Caleb. Um, and I'm on the back end now. I'll be 35 years old on Thursday. And uh, I'm on the back end now of my career. It's been almost 17 years. And I can say that the one thing that I have done uh, that I am proud of is um, I have confronted barriers. I have overcome stigma. I'm still learning to. And I advocate on the other end for those who are having trouble or struggling facing those things. Um, I have a friend now who's going through a really hard time and is facing um, a lot of these things and is refusing, not refusing, but is afraid to go and seek help because of the, some of these labels that have been stepped on some of the resources that are available. And it breaks my heart. It really does. Um, and I, I can't do much but try to be supportive. But in the end, um, that's his barrier. That's something he's going to have to come up, overcome. I can only pray and hope that he does. And he, you know, I meet him on the other side in a positive way. But if I do not, I will also have to deal with that. But I just wanted to say thank you to DJ, uh, Casey, Oleg, and um, wherever he did, is he there? <laughs> But uh, yeah, Dale as well. Um, but that's what I wanted to say. I just wanted to make sure that um, mm-hmm. I put that out there. No, thank you. Out, out of respect for everyone's time, quickly, how can uh, how can people connect with everyone that's a part of this? And, and DJ, I'll start with you. Um, yes, thank you. Uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm doing remote production right now. I would like to stay in that space of advocacy, really like to work with individuals, but reach out to me on LinkedIn and just look at my handle, Silver Fox Talks. I'm all the social media channels. I'm on Twitch, I'm on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Just appreciate the support. Thank, Thank you. you. And I got to head out. So much love. Thank you to everyone. Thank you for this amazing conversation. And I look forward to more conversations with each of you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. Casey? Yeah, you can find me at leavelawbehind.com. So that's where I help unhappy attorneys to leave the law. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm connected with Oleg. Um, But uh, feel free to reach out to me there. Caleb? Hey, everyone. You can, the best way to reach me is on, uh, here on LinkedIn. Um, I still have my Ignite podcast. You can still take a listen to it. Um, it's going to be some rebranding and all that kind of stuff, but listen to the 10 episodes I have out right now. Um, it's called the Ignite podcast. You can also go and see it at 
the underscore ignite podcast on um, Instagram. But the best way to get me is uh, LinkedIn. Just look for me. I just want to appreciate. I want to appreciate the two of you and and DJ and Gabe and everyone else that's going to be listening to this because I I really meant what I said. This was a very honest and, and transparent conversation about a topic that may or may not have to be difficult. Going back to Casey's point, you know, it's the meaning that we choose to assign to it. Um, and I just I want to applaud the two of you for did sharing the way that you did and everything that you said and. So I just, I want to thank you. Thank you for being a part of this and thank you for being a part of my life. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week. Thank you.